Hi, my name is Titi Mutendi and you are listening to Enterprising Families Podcast. Welcome to the world of Enterprising Families where we discuss the issues of governance, next gen and looking at how families of wealth and family businesses growing into families of wealth can preserve their wealth, become better as they go forward into a new generation. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of Enterprising Families and on this episode of Enterprising Families I have with me Blair Tripp and we are going to be speaking about identity-based conflict and how the development process is important and how building the family factor is integral and I'm so excited to be having this discussion because when we um, had uh, a pre-discussion with with Blair I found it so intriguing about the work that they do and how um, all this fits in together so I'm excited for you all to hear about this and learn from um, what Blair has to say welcome Blair oh thank you I'm really happy to be here and so I'm going to let you introduce yourself to my audience before we jump into our topic of today. Great. Well, um, as Titi said, I'm Blair Tripp, and I'm talking to you from Cambridge, Massachusetts, where I live and seem with the pandemic now, this is where I seem to be working mostly. Um, and I work with families who own and operate companies, families that share other assets and families that really need to make decisions together. So all of the work that I do is done through the lens of conflict management, recognizing that conflict is really woven into the fabric of family enterprise and doing any sort of governance development or succession planning, whether it's managerial or ownership, really has to be done through that lens of conflict because you need to make sure that you're clear on what are the unintended consequences, what might happen, what 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 are the, the things that will get in the way in the long term. And so that's sort of fundamentally how I approach my work and look at how do, how do we help families essentially enjoy what they have and uh, know where they're going and, and make the most of their lives. Well, thank you so much, Blair, for that introduction. So my first question up would be, what is identity-based conflict? Um, identity-based conflict is conflict that strikes to the heart of who you are. And who you are is really a full spectrum of characteristics that define you. And they can be anything about the beliefs that are really important to you. What are the core values that, that you have? What are the meaningful customs or rituals that are you know, part of the makeup of your traditions and your culture? Um, you know, the loyalties that you have to your family um, and essentially what are the emotionally meaningful experiences, sort of the intense events, you know, whether they're positive or negative, that define who you are. Um, and what happens with identity-based conflict is something related to your identity, who you are, how you perceive yourself is attacked or threatened, or at least you perceive that your identity is being attacked or threatened. And then all sorts of emotional and psychological forces take over and lure you into conflict, triggering the amygdala and all those, those uh, neuroscientific uh, characteristics that, that keep you from really thinking logically and instead puts you into that realm of, of reactivity. And so my follow-up question would be, can identity 
safety-based conflict be something that is identified or and avoided? Or is it something that we really have to work through if we want to be able to find a resolution that will help us um, even sit well with ourselves as we navigate life as we know it? Um, I think identity is central to who we are. Now, when you put two, four, six, eight, twelve people together in a family enterprise, you've got two, four, six, eight, twelve different identities <clears throat> that are at play. So, how do you come up with, you know, ways of functioning, strategies, procedures, policies that really, really attend to and embrace all those different um, identities? <clears throat> so, when we work with families we always want to understand what is it that is truly important to each stakeholder. So you really have to understand that and then they have to buy into a system. You're not going to negotiate your identity because that is not negotiable, but you can develop yourself into a way that you can understand and maybe broaden how you think about things and how you evolve your sense of what's important. And as we grow, we all mature and change and, and so, so it is possible. Um, you're not going to probably have wholesale change where your entire identity is, is uh, you know, transformed. Mm -hmm. But you can broaden how you perceive it. And you can also protect yourself against feeling threatened by really understanding more about the other people in your system, recognizing that a lot of what they are doing is about their identity. It's not about displacing you. Mm -hmm. And you, you brought up something really important there. Um, when you have a group of two, four, six, eight, 12 people, um, you have a pretty diverse group there. And with each and every one of them having their own identity, there is higher chances of conflict because we, just because we come from the same family or we grew up in the same household, doesn't necessarily mean that we uphold the same value system or maybe sometimes the same belief system. So in a room where you have this um, conflict, that's an underlying conflict, which people probably are not, it's not probably the first thing people think of when they think conflict. How do you identify that this is identity-based? as opposed to just being someone being difficult. And you know how it is in a family discussion, if people don't agree with you, they can just, and they can just label you as you're trying to be difficult. Right, and I never go in with the perception that anyone is trying to be difficult because typically people want to get along. They want things to go smoothly. They're not looking for conflict. Occasionally you have somebody who that is their personality, but that's actually unusual. So if you take this from a situation of, okay, everybody is looking to achieve something and being difficult is typically not that objective. Uh -huh. You take a step back and you try to understand where is this coming from? And if you think about it from a negotiation theory perspective, you separate the positions and the interests. Uh -huh. So often what might be characterized as being difficult might be somebody taking a position on something. Mm. My job is to hear that and to push back by asking why. Why is that important to you? And as I can unpack why that particular 
issue is important, that then helps me get to what are those underlying values or the meaningful emotional experiences that have gotten this person to this place where that is important. Mm -hmm. And once I can understand his or her interests, there are lots of ways that you can attend to those interests and solve that, solve for that, um, that interest. With a position, you have a binary yes or no, I'm going to do it or not. Mm-hmm. With an interest, you have much more latitude and much more to work with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then how important is it for us to intentionally, when you walk into any conversation with other people, be aware of the fact that there are differences that are going to occur no matter how much we love somebody and want the best for them, um, these differences will occur because we're different. So how important is it to have that consciousness and um, mindfulness of respecting those differences? Well, that's critical. I mean, with any family or any friendship, Mm -hmm. part of what we do is we have to learn to accept people as they are. if you, if you expect everyone to be the same, we would live in a very boring world and we wouldn't get a lot done. Differences create that friction which drives things forward. Mm. The question is, how do you manage that? How do you harness that energy and those differences to make the discussion or the project or, or the, the enterprise successful? Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is expecting those differences to come up because that is really the lifeblood of new ideas, but to recognize where they are either in you know in direct opposition so the differences or the goals that people are trying to achieve are really mutually exclusive that is a problem different mm-hmm. is not a problem mm-hmm. in opposition and unable to be uh, fulfilled at the same time with the you know given resources that is a problem mm-hmm. similarly with different values different values are fine you have to understand that you have different values Mm-hmm. But as long as they are compatible values, you're fine. It's when you get into the realm of values that are incompatible that you have real reasons for conflict. Okay. Now, please walk me through this um, development process. I know it's something that is unique that you work with and that helps in the realm of um, identity-based conflict and other aspects of family meetings and family coherency, especially in family businesses? Well, I I take a step back and look fundamentally at at differences that families encounter as they're working together. Mm -hmm. And typically people default to the traditional force, force of I'm going to vote you out, I'm gonna fire you, I'm going to take you to court and litigate and force you to do what I want. Mm-hmm. And that's a use of power. And that typically doesn't work in the long term. Um, people often default to bargaining. We're going to negotiate. We're going to mediate this. We're going to split the difference. We're going to figure out and both of us will be equally unhappy and, and we'll, we'll go on. Mm-hmm. Those things work with issues related to power and money typically. Mm-hmm. But if you look at what really gets to the heart of family enterprise conflict and really strikes to the identity based nature of that, as I said earlier, you can't negotiate your identity. It is who you are. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So a developmental approach basically says, how do we grow this system out of conflict? How do we look at what is at play in the system? 
Do they have the structural elements that allow you to move beyond that conflict? Do you have the ability to, you know, have clarity regarding what are the rules in this organization? What is in a, in a, enterprise and a business, you might say, what does that org chart look like and the job descriptions and the roles and responsibilities or compensation or family employment policies, some mm -hmm. of these structural pieces that clarify, these are the rules, it is not personal. And in this system, this is how it works. Mm -hmm. So if you build some of those elements into an enterprise, um, you know, regular forums for conversation, maybe it's a family council or, or, or some sort of regular family meeting, then you, you built something structural. You also can develop the personal issues. So how do you develop people? Maybe they can then do their job better. Maybe they just need some different training. Maybe they need some education on, on, on you know, leadership or coaching on, on how to be um, a better communicator. These are all things that you can develop in people. And as you do that, that then helps the system accommodate some of these differences that you were asking about before. There's a place, people know the roadmap, they know the land, the land. And the more you understand the system in which you are participating, the better able you are to work within it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that, um, I think that adds another question to a lot more questions I had, um, mm. understanding the system. So most people, when they are in a space or when they are going about their everyday life, they are not always conscious of the system or the systems that they're in. And so my question is, I'm an individual, I'm a family business member, and I'm thinking, right, I want to be able to implement this. I want to be able to, to respect other people's identities. I want to be able to um, waylay or um, avoid conflicts by being mindful. But would you say that it's important to also, to also be very conscious of what systems are the ones that surround you or the ones that you're in? before you can then be mindful of the possible conflicts similar to identity-based conflicts that you may face? Well, certainly you have to play within the system mm -hmm. um, if you want to be a part of it. So understanding what is my role in this. Now, mm -hmm. if you are a family member in a system, you typically evaluate things on the basis of need, that everyone should get what he or she needs because mm -hmm. we are a family, we love each other, we take care of each other. Mm -hmm. And that is what is expected. Mm -hmm. In a business context, typically you're thinking, okay, I am trying to achieve certain business goals and what matters is that I am compensated or, or looked at as achieving things based on merit, based on what I bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And that's the system that I'm working in. If I'm an owner, I'm saying, okay, I, I want to get a proportional return for my investment in this. I want to make sure that that is how I'm treated and that's fair. And a lot of that speaks to fairness, mm -hmm. which is a very complicated word. Um, similarly, if you think about what is my role, um, each place that you are in, you know, and I, I imagine in my mind a, a complicated map of stakeholders and where do they sit. Mm -hmm. And 
somebody who is a director on the board has very different motivations and concerns mm -hmm. from somebody who is a family member mm -hmm. or someone who is just an owner. Mm -hmm. And over time, if you can plot out where everybody sits, some people have just one role. They're, they're just an owner. Others are just in the business. Some, however, in a family enterprise, typically you have many people who are in the family. You'll have non-family employees as well. But, but once you inhabit several different roles, mm -hmm. you become conflicted in how am I answering this question? Am I dealing with you because you are my daughter mm -hmm. or because I am your boss or because I am the director of the corporation, making sure that what is happening is going to be in the best interest of all shareholders, depending on where I sit, and how I am answering that question or acting in that situation will affect what I do and what I say. Mm -hmm. And once people can understand why it's so complicated, and obviously, you know, non-family companies have these issues as well, but the family dynamics has an outsized role mm -hmm. in a lot of family decision-making. And as families go through the generations, that structural development often has happened, which puts guardrails and, and makes more, for more clarity in these roles and allows people to move into those roles, understanding how it is they are supposed to behave, what their role is. Um, and they have to learn how to balance them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so being aware of that system is, is critical. It's, it's yeah, I think from what you have um, spoken about, it's it's more than critical. It can actually become the the lifeblood. Um, so when you're looking at the development process, how is it important, um, and how is building the family factor also important in the identity-based conflict sphere? Well, the family factor is a is a concept that that we've developed that really gets to the heart of how the family will deal or be able to deal with any sort of adversity. Mm -hmm. um, the family factor is is essentially the answer to the question: Is the family bond strong enough to leverage compromise, forgiveness, and commitment to change? Mm -hmm. So essentially, if you will do things for the sake of the family not just out of your own self-interest, but for the sake of the family, mm -hmm. then you have a lot of ability to change over time and to make compromises and to forgive the transgressions of the past. Mm -hmm. The family factor is actually broken into a few different components and each of those components has even more. So you, you can get as granular as you would like, but from a fundamental standpoint, you're looking at shared history, a vision for being family in the future and trust. Mm -hmm. And so shared history essentially says, do you have meaningful experiences that you have shared in the past? Did you grow up in the same household? Did you love the same, you know, grandparents or great grandparents? Did you spend all of your holidays in the same home or have these traditions that become sort of part of your identity? Do you, did that shared history have a meaningful impact that is consistent across different people? If you have that shared history and you don't figure out a way to move beyond whatever is holding you back in your in your family enterprise, mm -hmm. you have something to lose because that was meaningful. And if that gets discarded, that then 
you know, it's cutting off an appendage, essentially. It's taking something that was really important and saying, all right, we're, we're moving beyond that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Similarly, with the vision for being family in the future, the question there is, do you see that you all will continue as a connected family, continuing those rituals and those transitions and <clears throat> those opportunities to be together, those things that shape your identity, that really um, hold you together because you share components that that create that that bond Mm -hmm. if you have that vision of being family going forward you have something to gain Mm -hmm. if you move beyond what it is that's holding you back Mm -hmm. and then there's trust which is you know a whole category unto itself which i'm happy to talk about if if you'd like yes definitely i think it's it's something that's key because um to respect somebody's identity, to be able to even um, build on the family factor, trust is probably everything. Um, I think in all human relationships, it's the it's the key item that keeps us glued together. The fact that we feel that the next person will do right by me, and the next person has my best interests in mind. So, please go ahead and speak about the importance of trust. Mm -hmm. Well, trust, I I agree with you, is really the linchpin of so much of what happens in family enterprise. Mm. And it's a barometer for being able to judge how will people interact together. Mm -hmm. And you talked about a couple different kinds of trust. The idea that you have my best interest at heart, you've got my back. Mm -hmm. That is one of the components in one way that that people think of trust. The other, a a second is I can feel safe and be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So if I open up, if I make myself vulnerable and show you my weaknesses, I can do that and feel safe with you. And that is a level of trust. Mm -hmm. The piece that I think is even the most, is is the most important is that trust is a, is a measure of predictability. Mm-hmm. And that is, do I know you well enough to know how you will act in any given situation? Mm-hmm. If I really know you, so if I have a strong shared history with you and I've done an awful lot and I know how you will act, mm-hmm. I can plan accordingly because I know you. Mm-hmm. I know that you're not going to make some crazy bet on some, you know, the next shiny object that comes along that might put us at risk because I know you. And you're, you're measured and you're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if I don't really know you, and this is what happens in subsequent generations in a family enterprise where the cousins and the second cousins don't really know each other all that well. They didn't grow up in the same household. They, you know, they didn't have that strong shared history. And they maybe don't have as strong of a vision for family in the future because they're not used to spending every holiday together because they live all over the world. Um, and they don't know each other as well. So they are less likely to be able to predict how that cousin will act in a particular situation. So when they find themselves on a family board together or in a family council together or an owner's council together, they don't really know each other. And building that, getting to know you, building that sense of predictability is really core to building the trust that you can use to then be able to uh, you know, work together and, and really trust. It lets you not always be looking after your own self-interest because you can look after the group because you know how the players will will play their cards. 
Um, yes, I think you've unpacked such a lot of uh, interesting issues there because, um, as, like you said, especially in a family where you you don't know your cousin who you've probably haven't seen or in, sometimes haven't met and uh, have only heard about, it, um, it becomes uh, a very critical and interesting thing to want to build that trust but not be sure because also you have that difference in identity. We come from the same family, but that does not necessarily mean because if we grew up in different households essentially and um, yeah, it brings in the, the, that, um, I think the importance of tools like family assemblies and family get-togethers um, in whatever shape or form, because as much as um, we have conversations about families grow apart and the bigger they grow, it's harder to really bring that web together. When you have a common entity or a common interest like um, wealth, family business, it becomes really, really important to know each other, to map each other, to know um, some of the, and, and I think what I'm trying to say is probably to have that family governance together, which is to have had a meeting where we consistently remind each other or consistently look into what are our values? Do we all still align with them? And if we say we're a family, even if there's now 500 members of the family, do we still all stand by these values? And I think it goes back to when you think as countries and, and nations, we stand towards, uh, when we see our national flag, we feel that sense of pride. We know what the colors uh, represent. We know the feeling we have. And when you hear a national anthem, you know what it symbolizes. And we sing those words with pride. And I think, um, I don't know if you agree with me, it's something that's really important also for the family business to have that resonance, that togetherness, and that, um, like you said, shared history and shared um, future and vision for future. Absolutely. Having, having that sense of where are we going as a family? What, are the core, what is the core identity of our family? That's another piece of it. And you don't have to like everybody. I think that's where oftentimes families get stuck is they feel like, I don't really like her that much. We don't really get along on these or those, those topics. That isn't critical. What's critical is, is that I know you well enough to understand where you're coming from. If our values are incompatible, we've got, we've got some issues and it's gonna be challenging to, to do that. Or if we want different things, if we have different visions, it's, it's almost impossible to run an organization together when you don't share that vision and you don't have that alignment. But at a fundamental level, getting to know people and having those shared experiences over time will build that trust, which will then allow for conversation around values and alignment that ultimately I think help to keep families together. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Blair, and thank you for just um, having this discussion where we were able to unpack so many issues that uh, lead back to conflict, how we can handle it better, and also look at development and the systems that we find ourselves in, and also touch on the importance of family and the family factor, shared history, trust, 
and um, everything in between that brings us closer as family businesses and makes family businesses such a unique entity that success is one of the the things that family businesses can attain more easily than other traditional businesses because is that essence of togetherness, that essence of I know you, that essence of I trust you, and which comes naturally because I've grown up in, in, the, in almost the same environment as you with almost the same teaching and shared history as you. Is there any parting words that you would like to share with uh, my audience today around the discussion we had today? You know, I would say that family enterprises are, you know, one of the most robust forms of, of enterprise in, in the world. Um, they permeate every corner of the world and they are very sustainable. And I think we often get caught into this idea that, you know, only a third of them transition to one from one generation to the next. And I, I often want to refute that because families choose often to do different things. They might choose to sell out, they might choose to do things, and it's not that they don't succeed. They actually have a much longer uh, lifespan typically than non-family enterprises. And if families are making these decisions together, that is a success. If they fail or don't transition because of poorly managed conflict or lack of planning, that is the tragedy. And so I think that for, for those who are in a family enterprise, you should have that pride that TC was talking about in terms of, you know, when you hear your national anthem or see your flag flying, that is, that is a, a core sense of, of value and belonging that is hard to find. And if you can find that in your family and in your family enterprise, you're very lucky and you should do what you can to understand the people in your system and how it works because it will bring joy and success over time. Well, thank you so much, Blair. I appreciate your time today.